Hello, hi. So I'm Joel. <laughs> um, yeah, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the son of my parents, um, Denise and Edla Dave. Um, I've just turned 23, and since October I've been working at Butterfield in Trust as an analyst in investment review after finishing my master's degree in data science at Lancaster University. Tonight is my... <laughs> yeah. Tonight is my first time speaking. Not ever. You, you haven't just witnessed a miracle. Although maybe you will have if I get through this. When Chrissy asked me if I would like to speak, I said, yes, of course, obviously. When Chrissy asked me again six months later, my answer was the same. The problem was, my question was the same. What would I speak about? So I asked myself, what am I qualified to speak about? Could I ask the band to come back up, please? <laughs> there, there's, not, there's not a lot, but there's a popular saying, a saying that Chrissy spoke about a few weeks ago, actually. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Now, don't get me wrong, I like this saying. I wouldn't use it in a job interview, but I like it. I do think, though, that sometimes it gets taken out of context. I don't think that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called, means that God only calls people to do things that they are not capable of or not qualified for. At the last Wednesday gathering, Barry Grief spoke. Is he here? Yeah, Barry Grief. Woo! Um, <laughs> Barry Grief spoke, and he spoke very well about God using people in unlikely ways, whether that is people that are seen by society as not the obvious choice for something or people that see themselves as not an obvious choice. And this definitely happens. And I think that part of the reason why God uses people in unexpected ways is to inspire others. And I'm sure Barry won't mind me saying that by talking and stepping outside his comfort zone to do something that he might not consider himself a natural at, he gave me inspiration tonight. So thank you, Barry. So God does qualify the called. But I also think this phrase can simply mean be brave, test yourself, step outside your comfort zone, but sometimes place your strengths. So that's what I'm doing. I'm being brave, I'm testing myself, I'm stepping outside my comfort zone, but I'm going to play to my strengths. So I ask myself, what are my strengths? Could I ask the band to come back up, please? <laughs> I had a few options. Data science, piano, football and darts. I didn't say they were good options, but these are things that I'm passionate about. These are things that I love. Maybe that's what I should speak about. Not data science, piano, football, and darts, but love. I think what and who we love tells a lot about us as people. Now, I, for one, feel incredibly lucky that I have many things that I'm so passionate about and I have many friends and family that I can say I know that I love. But importantly, and maybe more relevantly, love is at the centre of faith and love should be at the centre of all that we do as a church. I think overall that's something we do quite well at Shiloh. Obviously, there's always room for improvement, but I believe there has always been a focus on making sure that Shiloh is a church of love. And this is reflected in our mission statement, which was created a few years ago and can be seen on the balcony 
as wonderfully printed by Martin. As you can see, our mission statement is, Elove God, Love Off, <laughs> Ursa Survey Money. Now, there's some debate over the exact translation of this, but roughly, it means, love God, love others, serve many. I'd like to make a quick disclaimer. I was not involved in the choosing of this as our mission statement in any way, which I think makes me the perfect person to explain why we chose it. <laughs> and to explain why we chose it, I'm going to rely on one of my strengths. So let's analyze it data science style. Love God, love others, serve many. Six words. Two of them are love. Four of them are not. My master's in data science was a struggle at times. <laughs> so why does it start with love God? Well, because everything that we do should start with loving God. In Matthew 22, verse 37, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So loving God should be the most important thing, and it should come first, and it does. Hey. I think we know that loving God should come first, but sometimes we can lose the significance of love, and in particular, of loving God. Now, to people without a faith, loving God is a strange concept, although I guess a lot of what we do seems strange. For example, if I were to tell someone, oh, I'm a Christian, I go to Shiloh Church, there are a few things they might say. They could say, oh, oh that's nice, or maybe, you go to Shiloh, so you know Phil Air then. <laughs> or even, is that the one painted with the Ukrainian flag? They might say, oh, so you believe in God. But I don't think many people would say, oh, so you love God then. I think even if I met a Christian for the first time, I don't think that I would say, right, so let's talk about how much we love God. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I've exposed myself as a fraud. But... I do think that the importance of loving God can get lost in everything else that we do as a church. So, if the most important thing is to love God, it is equally important to know what that means and what it looks like. So what does it mean to love God? Well, I think that is the question. And so I'm glad I picked an easy topic. <laughs> in particular, I think it's important to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the world that we live in today. Now, I'm not saying that it was easier, roughly 2,000 years ago, to follow Jesus and love God. And the early Christians were, of course, persecuted for their love. But I think it was easier to understand what it all meant. Now, to demonstrate my point, imagine a conversation between two friends, roughly 2,000 years ago, about one of the disciples. I think it might go something a bit like this. Have you heard about Andrew? The fisherman? Yeah, the fisherman. What about him? He's a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus? What does that mean? There's this guy called Jesus and he follows him everywhere. <laughs> it was easier. It was easier. So what does it look like now then? Well, loving God is like any relationship. First and foremost, we should look to spend time with God. We should look to spend time talking to and listening to God in prayer and in reading the Bible. 
loving someone also means trusting them. So we should trust in God and trust that he is good. Finally, we have to be vulnerable and love God in our weakness and in our strength. All of this is loving God, and all of this is important, but it's not enough. In Matthew 22, after Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment, he goes on to say, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. Do you see where I'm going with this? Obviously, you can love others without knowing and loving God. There are many people in the world that love others, but don't know or love God. But it doesn't work the other way around. You can't love God without loving others. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, But anyone who does not know God, anyone who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Verse 20 goes on to say, If we say we love God, but don't love each other, we are liars. We cannot see God. So how can we love God if we don't love the people we can see? So we know that loving God means spending time with God, trusting and being vulnerable with him, and also loving others. But what does it mean to love others? Well, let's strip it back. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. I wouldn't be able to speak about love without mentioning the king of all Bible verses on love, 1 Corinthians 13. So this is what Paul says that love is in his letter to the church in Corinth. He said, love is patient and kind, never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. Love never fails. Sounds good, doesn't it? But loving others is not always easy. It's not always easy to be patient and to be kind. Sometimes we can't help but be a bit jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And that's okay. Why? For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 3, verse 23. I feel like I'm playing Bible verse bingo. <laughs> well, who has John 3, 16? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not die, but have, will have eternal life. God's glorious standard of love is so high that we can never reach it. Although, I can't reach anything that's up high. <laughs> Be because our love will never compare, we should never compare ourselves. All that we can do is try to love a bit more than we did yesterday. And some days we won't, and that's okay too. Progress isn't linear. So, how do we love others? There are no prizes for guessing this one. Play darts. Uh, serve many. <laughs> love God, love others, serve many. Again, you can serve many without loving others. If you don't believe me, ask yourself, how many times have you been to the shop and come away thinking, that person that served me behind the till, they really love me. <laughs> that, that's not a criticism. This is not a criticism of retail workers. Retail workers, we see you, we love you. And we're sorry for those people that don't always show you love. 
You can serve many without loving others, but you can't love others without serving many. It is not enough to just sit in a chair and say, I love others. We have to show love. We have to serve many. However, serving many doesn't always look the same. It doesn't look the same for everyone, and it doesn't look the same all the time. It depends on your surroundings. Serving many can look like Sophie Miller, who is spreading God's love through teaching children and staffing soup kitchens and clothing containers across poor communities in the South of Africa. Serving many can look like Sean and Ellie Lacey, who are on their way back from Brazil, where they manage and maintain a children's shelter in Cabo Frio. Or serving many can look like Peter Marin Sal and the team, who are building a community center in Kibera, Kenya, to serve the community around the school that they built and the farm they bought. As a church, and personally, we are so proud of the work that all these people do. And there are many other people from this church who have served across the world. Serving many can also look like the amazing work that is done for our community here, such as the food bank, the clothing bank, the mine cafe, and the many groups that use this building. But serving many can also be going out of your way to help one person at work or checking up on a friend that you haven't spoken to for a while. We all have a unique opportunity to serve many since we all live our lives in different surroundings. Sure, we meet together here at Shiloh, but we spend most of our time in the world in completely different environments. We spend our lives with different groups of people, and we each have an opportunity to show God's love to others in a unique way. Importantly, how we love God by loving and serving others looks different in all these situations. Jesus talked about how we show God's love by serving others in Matthew 25:35, Describing how our lives will be looked back on, he said, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. When I was naked, you gave me clothes to wear. When I was sick, you took care of me. And when I was in jail, you visited me. Then the ones who please the Lord will ask, when did we give you something to eat and drink? When did we welcome you as a stranger or give you clothes to wear or visit you while you were sick or in prison? And the king will answer, whenever you did it for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did it for me. Anytime we show love to others, we show love to God. However, what I take from this verse is, sometimes we can be quick to help and think that we're showing love without really thinking, what does this person need? Jesus didn't say, when I was hungry, you gave me something to drink. Or, when I was thirsty, you gave me clothes to wear. No, Jesus said, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Jesus said, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Loving others means recognizing what they need in that moment. Everyone is different, and the love that we need can change depending on what is going on in our lives. Sometimes, showing love to someone means giving them company, laughing with them. Sometimes, 
showing love to someone means giving them space. Sometimes showing love means giving advice. Sometimes showing love means being a shoulder to cry on. Showing love to others also means looking after yourself so that you are capable of loving others fully. In order to fully show God's love to others, we need to try to recognize what they need. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a football coaching session with Dalton, where coaches from England came to give a talk, and they ran a session for us to observe. And one of the things that we were watching for was to see what the players did before they received the ball as someone passed to them. And players, before they receive the ball, should look up. Why should they look up? So they can see what is going on around them, how they can impact the game. We need to look up. We need to be able to see what is going on in our surroundings, to see how and where God is wanting us to show his love. Now, thankfully, we're not alone in this. We can ask God to direct us, to help us to see how we can love the people around us. At this point, I'm going to ask the band to come back, actually, this time. Now, to close, I would like us to ask for God's direction. And to do this, I'd like to lead us in prayer using the words of a worship song. And I know what you're thinking, Joel, why didn't you just get the band to play the song? There is a good reason. There's a catch. This song is a kid's worship song. But I think it perfectly captures a prayer that we can ask to help us to love God by loving others and serving many. Now, you don't have to close your eyes and you don't have to say anything out loud, but I would encourage you to say each line back in your own head and focus on every word asking God.